Hey everybody, this is Illiterate. This is part two of our Catch-22 episode. We're gonna jump right in. Taylor, you ready? Here we go. Listen to part one. Don't listen to this. You'll be halfway through and be confused. <laughs> if, you, if you're confused, go back and listen to part one right now, right now, right now. Here, but here we go. Here we go. So now we're in this new section where we kind of are going more in chronological. Things get a little bit more serious, mm. although there's still elements of levity and humor. <clears throat> At a certain point, Dr. Nika gives Yosarian, there's orders that he can give him all the fruit he wants because that will help his liver because that was the excuse he was in the hospital, but he doesn't have a problem with his liver. And if he eats this fruit, it's going to help him. So he just keeps it and then gives it away. And Milo was like, what are you doing? You're just giving all this fruit away. Yeah. He's like, well, there'd be one. He's like, you're just giving it away? They keep mentioning, like with Appleby with flies in his eyes, uh, Milo's unfortunate mustache. Oh, yeah. He just has an unfortunate mustache. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> every time they mention Milo, that's a, they that's just keep funny. talking about his unfortunate mustache. <laughs> so Milo is trying to explain this plan that he has. And he rips off this, this guy's bed sheet. And he's trying to explain redistributing this bed sheet to... To Clevenger and to Yosarian about this idea he has for selling food and that why like yeah. why aren't they giving away this fruit selling yeah. it and if you have a quarter of a bed sheet we all get a piece of it and this is for the syndicate and I'll have a mart and everybody will have shares and it's just a madness nobody can uh. understand what he's saying and the other guy's like but I still just have half a bed sheet. that's the that's the important thing is you rip my bed sheet in half I don't care about trying to explain right. your economic schemes of like but you're the one buying the fruit back from yourself it's just insane and i won't go into any because it doesn't make sense at all but he's like this is what he's doing and they're like sure whatever a big scene i know that happens in the series is this character scheisskopf which is the george clooney character yeah which i'd be remiss if we didn't mention that it's this lieutenant who's obsessed with parades <laughs> as part of the bureaucracy of Our everything Tight formations. <laughs> and that's beautiful his, formations. At the expense of, it's a huge deal, his wife is cheating on him with everyone. And she's <laughs> met, she just wants him to do stuff to her. And he's like, uh, he says, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. <laughs> oh my there gosh. it was, Sunday, already, and only seven days left in the week to get ready for the next parade. <laughs> so he comes up with this scheme. He's is, is so great as the character. Yeah. He really is. It's so It's so funny just to see him go way over the top of just like a, a military general. But what he's really doing is directing theater. Mm -hmm. It's It was really All he really cares funny. about is the parades, yeah. And he's saying he, he found this thing, <laughs> part of the rules of the parades is about the swinging of the hands. Yeah. And in the dead yeah. of night, he's like teaching them how to not swing their <laughs> hands. So you can win this colored pennant if you have the red pennant. And he won it two weeks in a row. This is at the training that Yosarian and Wintergreen and Half Oat and yeah, all those yeah, people yeah. are. That's what he's doing. So you realize, oh, well, this is a flashback to when they were in training. So like in the in the first episode, they're they're in training. He's t he's like trying to teach the the new the new uh, the new cadets like how how to swing your arms four to six, four <laughs> inches, you know, all, that whole thing. Yeah. And then at the very end, you're back there, and he, and he uh, and and somebody's coming to like some general or something is coming to visit them, and he kind of goes off in this trail of like his own like admiration of like this man came from mile from all the way from Ohio to because he heard about your tight formations. <laughs> Your beautiful form, you know, like it just comes yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah, they say in the book, they're like, he was a military genius. It was a shame about his wife. <laughs> <laughs> so he's involved in this 
scene in the Hulu series, which is also a big part of and a well-known point in the story, kind of like a like the who's on first, what's on second, mixing up turns of phrase. And it's Clevenger, who's one of the other guys, and he's on trial. And it's this entire kangaroo court situation where he's on trial for something that he said or didn't say, and they all get confused with each other. Scheisskopf, which is the George Clooney character in the book, is not the person administering the trial. He's the prosecutor. Mm. And then there's this other unnamed colonel that's the guy yelling and screaming and causing a problem. And so just some of the language that comes from that they're trying to punish him for something that he said. And they're getting all mixed up with each other and who said what. And the colonel's like, when did we say we couldn't punish you? And uh, <laughs> Clevenger's it. like, I never said you couldn't punish me. And he's like, no, no, now you're telling us when you did say it. I'm asking you when you didn't. And Clevenger <laughs> says, I always didn't say you couldn't punish me. And then the colonel's like, thanks, though that's a lie. You whispered to that guy. And then like, Yosarian, what kind of a name is Yosarian? And then Lieutenant Scheibskopf had the facts at his fingertips. It's Yosarian's name. Yes, I suppose it is. <laughs> Hot with the facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this is, I think this is even in the trailer. He says, where were we? Read me back the last line. Yeah. And the notes guy says, read me back the last line. <laughs> No, not my line. line. The, the last line. No, that was read the last back. line. I read the line back to you. No, a different <laughs> line. Not my line or your line. Yeah. Yeah, he says, don't call me sir and say sir when you don't. <laughs> and then Clevenger was guilty, of course. <laughs> and then Yosarian warned him about all this beforehand. And he's like, you don't have a chance. They hate Jews. And Clevenger's like, but I'm not Jewish. And Yosarian says, it won't make a difference. <laughs> And he was right. <laughs> yeah. So that's a whole thing. It's It became, uh, Joseph Heller turned it into a one-act play. Oh. That scene rewrote it as as a play. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's if you look it up on YouTube, there's a ton of like high school drama productions and other things. There's not really a good version that I saw. I'll put a link to one of them. Sure. But uh, That's neat. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like a full 20, 30 minute, its own kind of performance oh, cool. because it's so well written yeah. as like a, a comedy of errors of miscommunication oh i love that and somebody trying to represent themselves oh, i love they made it into a little one act that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah i'd be remiss if i didn't mention that as a huge oh yeah the scene is incredible of, it's so yeah. funny yeah it's probably one of the most memorable elements of the book absolutely yeah i was laughing out loud listening to it especially because he's doing all the different <laughs> voices so now we're back at part two where we're talking about the chronological order of what's going on. We get back to the very, very beginning, which is the initial bombing of Bologna. And this is before the start of the story where Yosarian decides he's going to pretend to be in the hospital because he's sick. Gotcha. They have the orders. They're going to bomb it. There's the line of where their troops have, how far they've progressed. And... uh they're talking about the absurdity of when they're going to go, and it's raining, and it's crazy, and Clevenger's like, it makes as much sense as if someone tiptoed in the middle of the night to move the bomb line on the map over Bologna. <laughs> so that's right what Yosarian does. He tiptoes over yeah, to yeah, the line yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the night and moves it over, and uh, the generals that are in charge see that the line has moved, and they go call the superiors, and they're like, oh, well, we don't have to go because we're on the front, and we did it, <laughs> right? 
And so uh, the word spreads and people get medals and then they realize like, wait, we didn't do it. Like, nobody actually went, but they keep the medal. And this is also when Major Hmm <laughs> to Coverly, like that's his thing. That's why he always stays alive because he just goes to where the next front is and he's always there. So they said moving the line didn't fool the Germans, but it did fool Hmm <laughs> to Coverly. <laughs> so because that was the whole thing, Major, Major, Major was like, you need, I can't do anything. Go talk to Hmm <laughs> to Coverly. Like he's the main guy. But yeah. he moved ahead to, yeah. <laughs> to the front line and then is never heard from again for the rest of the story. <laughs> This is also where a poignant point that comes in and Yosarian's like, the enemy is anybody who's going to get you killed no matter what side he's on. Mm. He's a lot more hard-nosed and a lot less crazy. Yeah. Even though this is the middle of the book, quote, at the beginning of the story. Uh, Half-Oat decides he's going to die of pneumonia. <laughs> he decides? Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to die of pneumonia. And uh, they're wondering whatever happened to Captain Flume. <laughs> oh, oh. Somebody's like, I saw him in the woods eating berries. Oh, Terrified, and then Hungry Joe has this <laughs> whole. His mind. <laughs> Hungry Joe has this whole situation with this cat, um, because he's like, this cat is sleeping on my face and suffocating me, and so they're like, well, they got to fight. So uh, they they form they start they form this. The, yeah, Hungry Joe and this cat are gonna fight, and they set up the rules. They're like. Fists and fangs only, no guns, and they mention to Joe, and no spitting, and they talk to the cat. <laughs> and they're like, you need to break clean in the clinches, and go! And the cat just runs off. <laughs> um, but the cat comes into play later. So they bomb Bologna, but uh, Yosarian doesn't. He turns back around, and uh, then they're like, well, no, you have to go back. You didn't fight. So then he has to go back, gets shot at, and we learn that this particular situation is when Snowden dies. Mm. But we still don't get all the particulars of gotcha. it. Gotcha. But it's this thing that he's kind of gotcha. suppressing. Yep. So then uh, he gets rest leave in Rome because of this mission and how frenetic it was. Mm -hmm. He meets this beautiful Italian mm -hmm. woman. Cathcart raises the number of missions to 40, so we know that this happened in the past. And this is when Eusarian admits himself to the hospital we're repeating some of the same stories again. The guy in the cast shows up and they're like, maybe it's mud, the, which they, we realize now like, oh, well, that's the dead guy that just showed up and then was dead in two hours and then came back. Mm -hmm. So we're like, maybe that's, the, maybe that's the, the cast guy. And then we see how Snowden ended up being Yosarian's unraveling because this is actually the true start of the story where Yosarian thinks about how everyone is out to get him right. and how right. unfair war is and all of that stuff. And then... This is the start of when the chaplain is suspected of signing Washington Irving on him. Because we remember, <laughs> yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah, the chaplain was there at the beginning of the story when Yosarian yep. was bored and pretending. To... So now all of these pieces are coming back together. So then we have Cathcart raising it up to 60. And there's this character, Dobbs, who's like, well, I want to kill Cathcart. <laughs> what's, the, what's the scheme on this? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yosarian is on the fence about it. Milo now has this massive enterprise syndicate, which just comes out of nowhere in one of these chapters because Yosarian goes off with him. And he is the mayor of Palermo. He's the governor of Malta. He's the vice shah of Oran, the caliph of Baghdad, the sheik of Arabia, and he's worshipped as a god in parts of Africa. Uh, there's, they, the yeah, they go in there, there's banners bearing Milo's picture with his unfortunate mustache, <laughs> sobbing women, <laughs> <laughs> sobbing, women. 
sobbing women reach up to touch his shoulder. He showers the crowds in foil-covered Hershey kisses, they do chanting, Milo, Milo. This, this is in the show. And yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty And this is the only time, really, <laughs> that it opens up to the real world. Right, right. Uh, and he, the, there are planes bearing M&M Enterprise. He has, you know, coerced these governments to let him use their what? Air Force planes. He contracts... Contract. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, he laid bare how easily everyone can be manipulated and how easy it can. If you just wield the power, you can get anything done. Yeah. And he also it's goes. It's also fragile. And people, we want to pretend like, you know, we're, we're born to be this or I was supposed to do this. Or, he he just found it and made it happen. And we all know somebody like that who just made an industry out of nowhere. And then look, they're the, the czar of Basics. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah it's 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 in, it's 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 hilarious uh, this character is so funny and they do a really good job in the show with it good yosarian tries to make sense of like how did all this happen <laughs> and milo and, and you're and as the audience you're right there with your with you're just like this is so infuriating almost <laughs> to a point where you're just like Argh! out of everybody the everyone in this entire war trying to clamor for agency mm-hmm. and this kid found it and, and just he just created it yeah and so Milo starts explaining it, and this is a long diatribe in the book that's just total nonsense, because he's talking about quarter shares of the price of eggs and how everybody owns a piece, but then Yosarian figures out in his logic that Milo is the middleman, but he's also selling back to himself. He's like, how are you making any money off of this? But none of it matters, except for at the point where he's getting contracts from the Germans, and some of Milo's guns were the ones that shot down Mud, which is Yosarian's dead roommate who never appears. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the only time in this story about war that the enemy is mentioned. The Germans are not mentioned in any other point in the story except for where Milo's Milo recruits them to be his guns. Yeah. with the military-industrial yeah. complex of the enemy. Yeah, that's. It's not, there's no, com- yeah, it's not an anti, like, he was not necessarily against World War II, he was against the systems in place orchestrating. Yeah. So then How the yeah. sides are, are you're, you can, you're just manipulated and uh, against other people's interests. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's the people cheering in Bulgaria, or wherever yeah, he yeah. became the mayor. It's like, has no idea he's actually the cook at the <laughs> right. airfield and he's, you know, 18 or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's, so it's in this funny example, you, you get to, while as the audience with Yo-Yo, we're, how are we going to have agency? How are we going to matter? How are we going to survive? And then yeah. to watch some kid just create his own reality in yeah. the middle of it all and just wield it. It's inspiring and infuriating all at the same time, but it's it almost it speaks far more to the system than it does to Milo. It's not. Yeah. I'm not mad at really. My, I'm more the bureaucracy of the system. It's really or how beautiful. capitalism just, works in this way, and then how mm-hmm, oh, it affects this exactly. individual person. This guy who never even got a chance, and he's dead in his in his tent before he even gets to fight. Exactly. He was supposed to be a doctor and just because he didn't get checked in right. And, but but <laughs> Milo, the cook, gets to, you know. But yeah, because it's all me. So I then, as the audience, I, I just am reinforced all the time in Yo-Yo's point of view of how do I, how do I make sure I'm not, I'm not Snowden? Yeah. How do I make sure I'm not just lining up to be the next person knocked down? Mm-hmm. It, it, 
you get enforced on that point of view all the way around when he tries to poke holes in the bureaucracy and the meaninglessness of it all. Mm -hmm. So this now cuts to a flashback, which we know now because we're tracking kind of now with the narrative. Yosarian is sitting naked in a tree. Casual. Casual. And we realize that this is Snowden's funeral. The chaplain sees him, thinks it's some creepy vision because he also encountered this wild man living in the forest, which we know is Flume. Uh, and doubts God. everything about spirituality and flu. morals and all of that stuff. <laughs> Yosarian is put in the hospital again. This is this is the next time. And he decides with Dunbar, who's his friend, to switch places with these young people. And gets this close to being considered crazy because he says he's dreams about holding a live fish. And they're like, what fish? Which hand? And Dunbar's like, well, it varies with the fish. And they're like, how do you know? And Dunbar's like, well, I'm in the dream. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then they decree that Yosarian is crazy. And he's like, hurrah! But then... Finally. Because he switched identities with these young people when they first got into the hospital, they're like, no, it's that guy's the one that's going home. Yosarian, you're going back out there to fight. Got him. So then he's like, <laughs> by, way back when, when Dobbs was like, we want to kill Cathcart, he's like, let's do it. <laughs> let's kill him. Because now at this point, Dobbs has done 60 missions. Good lord. Um, or, who is his roommate, makes allusions to the fact that he's leaving somehow, and Yosarian gets the word that he crashed his plane somewhere and has disappeared. Now we're at the, the end game here where we have a lot of deaths that start happening, as well as a lot of bureaucratic promotions and shifting around in the system that completely upend what's going on, and it all happens at once. So now this Scheisskopf guy mm -hmm. who's obsessed with the parades gets moved. And can't can't do parades anymore, and that's how he ends up in the war in a flashback. Even though it's a flashback, we're like, oh, this is happening now yeah, because, like I said, yeah, of the structure. Yeah. So it's still like change of hands, things are going on, but it's a flashback. McWatt is the guy that flies too low. He ends up killing this guy with propellers, which is a big part in the series, I'm sure. And it's kind of gross. Yep. And then yep. he kills himself. Cathcart raises the missions to 65. Yeah, that whole uh, sequence is pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. they, do, uh, they do a really good job with it, too. That was... Yeah. So Doc Danica is also killed in the crash. But he's not because he was listed as being on that plane from way back in the beginning when he had so many flights to do. Mm -hmm. So now everybody's acting like he's dead because he's quote-unquote dead on the records. Because he was on the plane. Right. And so he has to be dead. Otherwise, he was lying about being on the planes and none of the missions that he went on. Right. So he's dead. So people are avoiding any conversation with him. Right. Because they don't want to tell him that he's dead. Right. <laughs> you know? Just insanity. Um, so it's this weird duality between the two people, Mud, the guy that is the, the actual dead guy yeah. who's there, and then Doc who's not dead... But is there? <laughs> Look how bureaucracy can even yeah. mess up the finality of something like death. They tell his wife, who gets a bunch of money and starts meeting new men in the USA, he reaches out to his wife, but then she also gets letters from Colonel Cathcart saying that uh, this is an imposter. We've had Washington Irving show up in a bunch oh of our stuff, gosh. and we think that this is who it is, and your husband is dead, and so she moves to Lansing, Michigan, and... Uh, <laughs> Never and changes her address and he doesn't hear anything. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that Orr is gone, who is the the crab apples in his cheeks guy? Yeah. Uh, Yosarian gets new roommates. He wants Halfoat to join him, but Halfoat 
uh, says that he's going to die of pneumonia still. And so he's not going to join him. <laughs> okay. All right. They move Mud's stuff, which is troubling to Yossarian. Mm. He flees to Rome with Hungry Joe, which they did before when they met this Italian woman. There's this guy, Nately, which I wasn't too interested in, but he has these brothels and women of the night that he's involved in. Mm-hmm off kind of he's always in rome for whatever reason yeah trolloping about with them he wants to be done because they've formed a bond and he wants to take this italian woman back to america with him yosarian ends up dealing with that situation goes back and there's the man in white in the cast that's back right after he's died they say he's lost inches and he's gained weight but he's (laughs) but he's back and now the chaplain's in the hospital (laughs) pretending to be sick yeah um, and this nurse says that they plan to disappear Dunbar, who is his friend. And, uh, Yossarian's like, what the hell does that even mean? It's not even good grammar. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, this Nately guy, now he has 70 missions done and he won't go home unless he can figure out how to get this Italian girl to come home with him. The chief dies of pneumonia. Milo. And there he goes. <laughs> is able to get out of his flying missions because he explains his situation. It's just so confusing. Right. But he needs somebody to do missions in his stead. So they up the missions to 80. And right after they do that, <laughs> Nately, which is the guy that wants the Italian woman to go yeah. with him, and Dobbs, the guy that wanted to kill Cathcart, yeah. both die on the missions after they bump it up to 80. So now the chaplain is on one of these kangaroo trial yeah. courts for forgery for being Washington Irving. <laughs> Um, but now the lieutenant... Are you Washington Irving, sir? <laughs> <laughs> now also General Scheifskopf, who was the parades guy, got promoted all the way up to lieutenant general. So okay. now he's in charge of all combat operations. And they're so worried. And what you'd normally would think of like, oh no, there's this dictatorial general who's going to take over and add more missions. They're just all worried because he's just making every man march in parades. <laughs> like that's how power corrupts in this society. This is the final, final part, which is... Yossarian is now walking backwards all the time to make sure no one is after him. Natural. And they take him to Rome because he's so unhinged and is affecting the rest of the people who are now becoming more sane and he's becoming more crazy. The widow, quote unquote, of uh, Nately tries to stab him in Rome because she blames him, which is an interesting parallel of like, this is her only connection to the war. Yeah is any soldier who's involved in it. And so he should take the blame for it and die. Because that's all she knows. Takes a huge tonal shift and just all of these graphic, horrible elements in Rome. People being raped, killed, murdered, disease, all that stuff. And then the irony is that the police arrest him for not having a pass to be in Rome. Mm, As opposed to all this other stuff that's going on. All the rape and murder happening This gruesome night of injustice. Um, hey, you can't be here. Yeah. The he screaming go- lady around yeah. the corner. He goes back after seeing all of that, and uh, the, the top generals say, well, we can send you home if, forget Catch-22, if you agree to like us and like go along with us and be one of the boys, then we'll get you back home. And so Yossarian is like, cool, sounds good. As he's exiting, 
the Italian woman is pretending to be a private in the army and stabs him. So then he goes back to the hospital Gaw. for actually being Gaw. incapacitated yeah. with something. Well, in the in the in the series, it all comes to a head in Rome. I forget the name of of who commits it, but one of his pilot buddies ends up mm-hmm. raping and, and yeah, murdering yeah. a girl. Yeah, that's in part and of that this, all these details. Yeah. That coupled with Snowden. Uh, happening all kind of towards the end of the end of it all mm-hmm. really breaks uh, yo-yo. So this is what happens in the book as well. Yeah, he's now after the Italian lady has stabbed him and he's in the hospital for a legitimate reason, mm-hmm. recounts, this is when we learn about Snowden's death most graphically mm-hmm. and why mm-hmm. Yosarian wants to live so much because he recognizes that's all that's there yeah. is a human life. And uh, he also realizes everybody's dead. Like, as I've been saying, all of the people, not all 65 characters, but all of the people in his thing have died in some yeah. fashion. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, except for Hungry Joe. And then some, the chaplain's like, no, he died in his sleep with a cat on his face. Which is what he was worried about that whole time. It got him. It got like, him. Now everybody's done. So now... The cat got, the cat got, cat got him. him. It ran away from the fight, but it wasn't. It wasn't one out. It was the cat that yeah. people needed to be looking out for in the middle of the night. Came up and smothered that piece, clocked him out. Clocked him. So now Yosarian's like, I can't do this. I can't sell myself short for all of these people that have died. And the chaplain says that they found Orr, and he's washed up in Sweden. His old roommate that said he was going to leave, and they thought he crashed yep. way way at the beginning that started yep. the glut of all people dying. No, no, no. So he's like, I'm going to desert, and that's what I'm going to do. And they're like, you've just got to jump. And then they go, jump! And because right as he's leaving the hospital, he avoids the prostitute lady that tries to stab him again (laughs) as he's leaving the hospital. And he takes off, running towards who knows where. Sweden, we presume, but it's not made clear. And that's how the book ends. And so I felt like at the very end, her attack is a metaphor for like, you're facing the troubles, but now you're escaping them in the right way. Like you still have to atone for what you're doing, mm. but you're able to move past them. And so the whole final point of the book as well is the ultimate catch-22, which he comes to realize is that life is not worth living if you don't care about others, but caring about others is what endangers your life. Mm-hmm. So he finds the middle ground of doing neither which is walk away. He doesn't become the commander and become one of the boys, but he also doesn't fight in the war. Yo, I'm, I'm identifying with this heavily mm-hmm. right now. Um, that's a walk away. Yeah. I really like that. And sometimes that is, and still face your troubles and consequences. Yeah. But you don't have to be involved in the system. Right. And your life is also important. Right. So the thing about Joseph Heller, like I said, this book took him eight years to write, but the next book was not until 1974, 13 years later. Mm. And it's called Something Happened, became a number one New York Times bestseller. Five more books after that. Taught creative writing at some colleges in the meantime. But they all follow these themes of bureaucracy and the systems that go into play. Something happened yeah. is about an advertising executive that's life falls apart gotcha. by the titular something happened. Yeah. <laughs> and how that system messes with people and post-traumatic stress interesting, yeah. in those scenarios. Yeah. The office 
life. Oh, that'd be interesting. Um, we ought to do that sometime down the road. And then there were some other books that came out, and then the there was a sequel to this book, Catch-22, that mm. came out in 1994. 1994. Called Closing Time. And it is based in New York City in the 1990s and follows Yosarian and some other characters. Milo's in there a little bit. And what it deals with is death in the same way, but in terms of old age, cancer. He said, this is the only book that he's written, this closing time, that has three-dimensional characters. Mm. He's like, the other ones are all allegories or pretty flat. Like, these are characters that are growing and changing and... There are references, even meta-references in Closing Time to Catch-22, where like Yossarian's kid asks if he ever went to Sweden, and Yossarian says, that only happens in the movies. So it's the it's the fallout, because he was like, I, I it, the time was different when I wrote this in the 60s than yeah. it is now, and I want to talk about what it would be like for somebody to go through this in World War II when they're 70, and what their life is like. And encountering the same obstacles yeah. about death and life yeah. and choice. And it's called Closing Time. That sounds really good. Closing. The, yeah. <laughs> That's all I think about is that song. Um, the thing about Closing Time is that there's a character, and I had to do a little internet weaving to mm. piece this together. Some beaming and bobbing. But noble listeners will hopefully appreciate this if you've listened to some other episodes in terms of connections between what we've already learned. Mm-hmm. There's a character called Joey in Closing Time. Yeah. That's an older guy. And he has uh, Gillian Barr syndrome. Okay. Which, if that rings a bell, I looked up and Joseph Heller, this, is, this Joey character is based on him. He actually had this in the 80s for a year. And the reason it's familiar is because it's what Dr. Seuss's first wife had. That horrible disease oh. Oh, that yes. rendered her, it like messes with your nerves and affects your breathing. And she was in an iron lung and then she died or commit, you know, committed suicide yes. because of it. So Joseph Heller had this disease oh, wow. because nobody knows how it happens. It just hits you and then it deteriorates you. Wow. So he had it in the 80s, wrote a book about it. His beat time, it. Because he beat it. He recovered Ooh. from it. Over a year, the book is called Can No Laugh Come Out. <laughs> the book is called No Laughing Matter, and it's mm. about his struggle and recovery because of his friends and his family and people that supported him and and dealing with it. Oh, cool! Some of his friends. Ooh, that'd be good. Some of his friends that appear in the book are Mel Brooks, the famous director who uh, did Blazing Saddles, uh, uh, Mario Puzo, who wrote The Godfather. Oh, no way! Yeah, was one of his friends. What in the world? Yeah. So that's a book called Weird. No Laughing Matter, which is kind of a memoir of that particular time in his life, but is also, re- you know, related to one of the characters in Closing Time. The last book he ever... I swear, re- if you were making content in the 70s and 80s, you could just about meet anybody. <laughs> yeah. Anybody would be, could be your friend. Because it's because so, think about it now, because now everybody has the access to just make any content they want and put yeah. it out and distribute it. But back then, no. And so if you were actually making content and putting it out, you were of really what was a small club. And so whether you were doing TV or film and somebody else is doing radio or, you know, the public access to you, it's like you were all making content. And so you would be able to meet as I, so I find that stuff fascinating. I watch documentaries about that all the time. Like yeah. Club 54. Stuff, <laughs> you know, like blah, blah, blah. Anyway. No, it, it does. It does all connect together. It's wild. And so the last thing that connects together, his last book that he wrote, um, since he died in 1999, was called Portrait of an Artist as an Old Man. 
So there's a James Joyce book, I think, called Portraits of an Artist as a Young Man. Mm-hmm. And he's referencing that. But this book, Portraits of an, Portrait of an Artist as an Old Man, is a novel about an old guy trying to match the success of his earlier work <laughs> in a novel. Because that's, that's, that's all he was really, you know, he's, he's written these other things and they took a long time in between. But he's the Catch-22 guy. Well, man, if any of these books are as as engaging mm-hmm. as this, I would I'm down any time. Uh, they sound they sound thought provoking, and if they're of the similar same themes, similar if, yeah, guy. If they're of yeah. the same air, if they if he has that same kind of just turn a cheek, turn phrase, uh, fun with uh, with them. Man, this this would be a. I want to get get into it more. It seems yeah. like any one of these books sounds sounds incredible. Yeah, this is wild. I never expected this to be this much fun. I always thought of it as being something that was going to thought provoking, but more so on the depressing side and more the heavy. Like I mean, it's, and it certainly there is. is. Yeah, but it is engaging and fun to read, and has you laughing even when the most horrible things are happening. Uh, th- that's it's a perspective on life, and it's it's. I appreciate it and because a lot. I, yeah, I identify a lot of the literature that you see that is revered is because of the dramatic nature of it and how deep and intense and soul wrenching. Yeah, the the way that it's presented these huge moments in a person's life and all of the grandiosity that comes with a piece of literature, which yeah. this has, but the tone that it takes for it is like maybe laugh about it yeah. maybe find a way to find the absurdity in it and then reveal the truth as opposed to find right. a way to find the horror in it right. and reveal the truth it's just a different way of doing it that you don't see in most of the other new york times top 100 american books of all time and it's just a personal thing when i'm in the middle of something i'm always trying to find the fun in it you know i'm mm-hmm. always you know that, that's why in this book i'm like yeah if i was in this situation i think i would interpret these situations a little more like these characters opposed to all the other ones but when I sit down to be creative and when I sit down to write, I, I'm much more on the heavier side. Uh, whereas <laughs> when me in real life, even in the middle of the duress, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm still cracking a joke like in this book. So that's how I um, mm-hmm. really identify with and see exactly how this stuff would play out in real life. I mean, it is totally over the top, except it is not. People are like this and, and it can be this desperate. It can. It, it, it yeah. can. It's one of the it's one of the types of comedy where you just have if you accept that this is what happens in the world that's why it's funny. Right. Nobody else is questioning that Captain Flume is hiding out in the forest. That's just a part of this world. And so it's hilarious. But it's I, also kind of true. It, it but no and it is I mean, all these all these characters that have all these quirks and go off and do all these in, you know all these insane things milo somehow creates an entire industry and becomes a czar of bat, you know whatever yeah. you know it's like uh flumes off in the woods hiding from somebody who said he was going to kill him in the night you know like hungry joe dies with a cat on his face <laughs> right no, what he's no. most afraid of <laughs> who they set up like a boxing match ring with yeah, you yeah. know it's like but i'm like i'm Every one of these stories, I have a personal experience either in school or, you know, on a project, something like that, where I've experienced something tangentially peripheral just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. It's such a breath of fresh air to finally, re- to, you know, understand this a bit more because I always kind of lumped it in with all the other war material. I always like, knew like it was all the quiet on the Western front of it. And like, yeah, like... 
Right, right. Yeah. I always knew it would. It is of all of this material. It is the counterculture version of it, but I never expected it to be this in your face satirical. Yeah. It's also like with the other classics that we talked about, Handmaid's Tale, Pride and Prejudice, or you know, bigger, bigger pieces of work. It's hard to create them in a new medium. Like I don't think. I think you could get the tone and the whatever, like we talked about with Watchmen, but to fully realize there are, it's one of right. the few books that has 65 characters and none of them are minor characters. <laughs> you know, each right. of them has all the same amount of time in the sun. Which is so interesting that later on he says that the closing time is the only one with three dimensional characters because just in the little briefest of explanations he might give in some of these 65 characters, they feel so... I, I get their motivations, mm -hmm. um, you know, like it's very strong. So now I'm wondering, like, well, what does he, if these are, are 2D to him, what is a 3D character to him? Yeah, like? what is so a now I'm like, oh, so, and I get to go, so if he thinks Yo-Yo in this book is 2D, what does he like 3D, you know, when years down the road? Exactly, the yeah. yeah. Maybe down the line, maybe, <laughs> we'll go, maybe we'll have another episode. Yeah. Well, this was fascinating. Thank you so much, Taylor. You're welcome so much, Evan. Catch 22. Y'all go go pick it up. Watch the Hulu. It's real good. Um, yeah. So uh, next week we're uh, doing. Next week we're doing 1775 for our July patriotic 4th. July 4th episode. Y'all think it's about 1776? Mm -mm, not 1776. The little known year before the lead up to. What nobody talks about. How and that's what we're doing. Yep. So enjoy your weekend. Or whenever we'll you listen back to this. next week. Thanks for listening. Later. See y'all. Cool. I did want to tell you, I missed this because it had nothing to do with anything. But uh <laughs> on the in the in the filming of the Hulu series with George Clooney, I looked up just if there was anything that happened. And he uh got in this horrible scooter accident <laughs> on the way to set. Where he Please just tell me it was a lime. No, it was like a moped. Oh, They're gotcha. filming in Italy. Oh. And he was driving himself on his way to set and just smashed into the front of this Mercedes. There is closed circuit television footage from a camera on the street of this. It looks devastating. He just like flies face. He just head like nose to nose <laughs> into this car who doesn't turn. His head flies into the windshield, cracks it, flings forward. It's George Clooney. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, minor injuries. He's back on set. <laughs> I got to like, see Oh, this he could footage. have died. I have to see this footage. Yeah. This is incredible. But if that gets in there, that'll be my little tag. <laughs> you should put that in. That's really, really fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look it up.